Yeah, I mean, we met recently just for the first time yeah. last week, as you say, through our mums who uh, take the dogs out together. <laughs> yeah. And uh, mum just said you might find um, Charlotte someone quite interesting to talk to who's been through the same sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. I think the way your mum described you to me, we were almost exactly the same people with mm. exactly the same kind of experience yeah. or largely the same kind of experience of anxiety and, and having, you know, complete a complete break, I mm. suppose, would be the best way to explain yeah. it. And as you, you were saying just now, in my mind started a lot earlier than yours mm. uh, when I was 12. You know, a bad science lesson yeah. <laughs> that uh, caused me to faint, which gave me a bad reaction and started the whole anxiety and everything with yours. It was yeah. more, you were in, what, 21, did you say, when you started? Yeah, about 20. Um, mm. I was... Mine was emotional and partially hormonal as well, but I think the hormonal side of things for me was triggered by the initial emotional side of things. Mm. Um, I am someone who is very rooted in her connections to people. It was very important to me to have friends, not necessarily lots of them, but good friends, friends that I thought knew me. Um, I have a very small family, technically speaking. So, you know, having my connection to them was really important to me. Um, and, you know, I, I had, by the age of 19, I had a pretty good uh, support system. I had mm. a lot of friends. I had a boyfriend who I was madly in love with at the time, or what I thought was love, obviously. When you're young, you can never really tell how sure that's going to be. Um, but when you're young, you think that all love is, is real love. Mm. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, I had my family. I was doing well at uni. I had good flatmates um, in my first year of university. And then over the summer, everything just broke down. Um, my ex cheated and my friends kind of not sided with him, but they made it clear that they were more interested in maintaining a friendship with him than with me. So I lost a lot of my friends. Um, I fell out with my family, wasn't talking to them for a good six months, which was the first time in my life I'd had a problem like that. And so that lack of support really just completely destroyed my, my faith system, I suppose, in, um, in the kind of, uh, support I had around me. And so for the first time in my life, I was very much alone and buckling under the pressure, mm. you know, buckling under the weight. Um, I'd spent so much of my life trying to build these relationships with people and it became such a core part of my of my personality of my functionality as a human you know thinking oh if I have these connections with people if these people love me and are there for me then I must be a good person and therefore you know I I am doing well in life so when you kind of remove that entire structure out of your belief system it all comes crumbling down mm, very mm, easily mm. um and that's a terrifying feeling being completely on your own and trapped with yeah, no way to go. Absolutely. Um mm. especially because I, I had such a close knit family growing up as well. I you know, it was my assumption that not that I could do no wrong, but that um that, you know, when your family's always gonna be there to support mm. you. Um and, you know, the the consequences of certain decisions end up kind of impacting you in ways you never thought they possibly could. And so mm. it's uh it was a shock to the system and I guess my my mind just couldn't take it. And mm. On top of all that, I was, you know, when I get stressed, I, I don't eat. I stop eating. I, my appetite goes straight out the window and I can go for, you know, one or two days with without even thinking about whether I've eaten anything that mm. day. So, um, and that was my first time experiencing that as well. So yeah. I didn't recognize that I wasn't eating. <laughs> and so the eating or lack thereof turned into anemia and being underweight. 
which turned into being afraid of going outside because every time I went outside, I felt faint, I felt dizzy, I was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, which then led to a general fear of going outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to OCD because I used to, I, I developed this um, this obsession with having a, a bottle of water with me and it had to be at least a litre bottle of water, otherwise I wouldn't feel safe. Mm. And if I had this bottle of water with me, I was like, this will be my saviour. Mm. This, this will take care of me if I start to feel dizzy, if mm-hmm. I start to feel faint. Because somebody, and it was literally the only reason that I ended up with that was because I had a friend who said, if you drink a cup of water in the morning and a cup of water in the evening, then you will go to bed, have a really good night's sleep and you will wake up feeling better. Mm. And I was like, that's what I need right now, more than anything. So I ended up kind of hogging this bottle of water Mm. and holding it to my body like I'd walk around with it like this Mm. to try and make myself feel safe if I felt faint I'd drink if I ran out of water I'd go in straight into a meltdown um because it just became my my rock Mm. I couldn't leave any establishment without it um and that then led to agoraphobia which meant that you know every time I left the house I felt sick so I didn't want to leave the house Mm um and in the end it kind of I had lost everything that that mattered to me. I ended up failing university or nearly failing university in my personal, you know, perspective. Um, you know, I did manage to graduate with with a tutu, but to me that was worthless because that wasn't what I'd gone there to achieve. Um, I'd lost almost all of my friends. I'd, you know, lost my boyfriend, my best friend, my uh, flatmates hated me because I challenged them when they allowed black mold and damp to grow in my bedroom <laughs> that was making me sick and they didn't care. Um, it was all, it was just chaos. It was just for the first time in my life, I experienced complete and utter chaos and, uh, I, I couldn't take it, couldn't mm. take it. Mm. So and it is that downward spiral. And when now that I'm out of it, it's kind of easy to sit there and say, I know where it started and I can, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can anticipate this, mm. you know, if it ever happens again. But it doesn't always make it that easy, does it really? No, not when you're going through it. I mean, you know, it's pretty much a mirror image of, of my life. Yeah. You know, apart from the water bottle, I've had similar things. I can't remember exactly what they were. So, so it was a, a long time ago and it was mm. just various different things that would be substituted for your water bottle. Yeah. I remember I didn't you know, I used to be worried about going out in the heat, fear mm. of getting heat stroke or something. So I always used to carry like a spray of yeah. like, cool water with me. A mister or something. Yeah. Mm. And um and I had exactly the same where I couldn't leave the house for fear of having an anxiety attack. Mm. And I still get it now, of course, with the IBS which is irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. I still get it where when I get stressed I can't eat because it makes me feel sick. Yeah. Which uh, you know, eight stone isn't ideal, mm. but it's so be it. Um, you know, I couldn't leave the house for having an anxiety. I couldn't do anything, couldn't meet people. Yeah. And I was housebound. Yeah. Couldn't even go to, you know, I was pulled out of school when I was 16 yeah. with a <clears throat> with a breakdown, which is the key year in school because that's the exam year. Yeah. Uh, went from like A's and B's down to D's and E's. Mm. Uh, ended up having to get home tutored, which cost a lot. Yeah. Mum, bless her, had to work three different jobs to pay for it, but ended up coming out with A's and B's again at the end. Yeah. Got myself back into school for sixth form and came out with A stars all round in business and IT, which was good. Mm. Um, and then it's just from there, it's just a long slog of repeating the cycles, yeah. getting used to it, having the bad times, trying to kind of learn how to go through them while they're there. While yeah. they're there, it's difficult. In hindsight, mm. it's easy to see how you should have coped with it. Yeah, But in absolutely. the meantime, when you think you're about to keel over and die... 
it's not particularly no. easy to, to manage. No, and that's it. And it's, mm. I think it's, um, you know, that misconception. I mean, most people, it's one of those things where when you're in it, you know what it feels like. If you've never been in it, you cannot possibly imagine what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, because even even someone who's experienced a fight or flight response would be able to understand that immediate panic, that immediate fear that strikes you. Um, and that is that is something that is hardwired into your brain. That is animalistic instinct at that point. That is your brain telling you, you know, it's it's like a how dogs, for example, not comparing humans to dogs, but, you know, we all are animals to some degree. We all have that same biology mm. that tells us when something isn't safe. You know, if a dog runs face first into a glass door, for example, it will then learn that all doorways are bad in some situations. Not mm. all of them do, but some of them do. Um, and so they will do something to compensate for that. Either they will stop trying to walk through doorways because they, they recognise doorway equals hurt. Doesn't mm. mean, you know, I know there's nothing there, but as far as my brain is concerned, there was something there the last time I did this. Um, so their brain kicks in Mm. and says no we don't do this because this hurts this Mm. makes us afraid and it's exactly the same thing for us you know if we start learning behaviors that teach us going outside is bad and we're going to have a bad experience our brain tells us well maybe we don't do that thing then Mm. you know maybe we stop now yeah um and then if if you do it perceives it as a risk which triggers the fight or flight response exactly it's a cycle it is a cycle and breaking that cycle is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's, it's tough. And it's yeah. uh, when you go to therapy, a lot of people will give you these kind of general CBT mm. techniques and all that, which are fine, but they're not universal because no. every person is different. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I'm also somewhat against, you know, trying to label everything because everybody mm. is as many labels and as many different types of pe- people as there are people on the planet. Yeah. And every strategy for <clears throat> psychotherapy is going to be different. Mm. And it's just a case of the individual identifying what works for them what their triggers are what their um, safety mechanisms are and and how to and I think unfortunately you know although therapists can guide you to find those yeah the only way to really not beat it but learn to live in in peace with it which may end up with you being able to beat it later Mm. on is just through time and experience and I mean you know when you're in an anxious state or a depressive state everything seems very bleak it does very you, you there's no future that's why i was suicidal because i was feeling like i was going to die every day of my life yeah absolutely. and i thought i don't want to go through 70 plus years of this no i've like i'm trapped there's nothing i can do it's gonna it's either i'm, I'm gonna kill myself and get it over with which yeah. i wouldn't do because i'm too frightened of mm. it or i live with it for 70 plus years in a miserable life yeah feeling like i'm gonna die every day anyway yeah and uh, because i knew I'd, i wouldn't be able to take my own life i was left with that bleak. one option yeah, yeah. There's nothing i can do just got to grin and bear it yeah um, which wasn't a nice wasn't a nice thought, but because of that, it's just you, I've lived through so many of these waves now mm. and different symptoms. It does make it easier when they're here. It's no. still horrible when they're here. Yeah, but to some degree, you can develop an awareness that all the negative thoughts and the the symptoms and everything that you're feeling mm. or experiencing are an illusion. And that's the thing. Like my my mum, who's who is a therapist herself, she. Um, I think the the clinical term that she uses is is disordered thinking. 
the anxiety is technically an illusion because your brain is imagining a scenario that is not actually true. If you leave your front door, you're not actually going to drop down dead. That's ridiculous. If you are having a panic attack and thinking, I can't breathe, that is an illusion. You can breathe, otherwise you would be dead right now. It is a thing of actually, you know, I can do these things. I will do these things. I am capable. It is my mind trying to tell me that because we have suffered a negative experience, our disorganized thoughts are telling us that this is bad, we should not do this anymore. And actually that's not the case. The reality is that the only way you're going to break that cycle of fear is by pushing yourself through it so that your brain relearns mm. that no, this is not going to happen. I mean, it's like you were saying to me the other day with doing your your flight simulations mm. and stuff. To, so because you want to learn how to fly, you're terrified shitless of that. <laughs> but Quite literally with the IBS. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but you're going to do it because mm. A, it's what you want to do with your life. You want to achieve this. But B, also you know that if you let yourself talk yourself out of it, then you're never going to get past this fear of having these problems mm. when you are... 30,000 feet in the air mm. um, and that is exactly what you're supposed to do you know it's um, I think those are you know Joey Tribbiani from Friends for example for anybody who gets the reference um, you know he said if you're scared of something then you you've got to go do it mm. you know if you're afraid of bugs go get a bug if mm. you're you know I'm uh, mildly afraid of spiders I can be in the same place as them and know that they are walking around mm. me but if one touches me I will freak out and yeah, run away yeah, me too um but you know my mum again when she was uh, when I was very very little when I was in nursery she was a nursery nurse um, they brought in a whole load of tarantulas and my mum used to be the kind of arachnophobe where she would faint at the sight of them. That was it. She was out cold. And um, it, they brought in a whole load of spiders and because she didn't want to teach the kids how to be, sorry, excuse me, um, be scared, af afraid, mm. she was like, oh, I've got no choice. I've got to hold this bloody tarantula mm. they've just put, pulled mm. out of the box. And they turned to her and said, do you want to hold it? And she was like, I can't say no. I don't want to teach these kids this tarantula is dangerous. I mean, it is because it's a tarantula, but I want to show them that there is nothing to be afraid mm. of. So she held a tarantula mm. and she felt like she was going to pass out the whole time. But then they took it back from her and she was like, oh, I managed it. Yeah. And it just sat there. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it just sat there. It was yeah. all right. It didn't try to hurt me. It didn't try mm. to kill me or anything like that. Like, it doesn't mean I like it very much, mm. but I survived it. And so now she's at a place where she can deal with spiders herself. Yes, she'll get a bit freaked out. There was one time where one ran out from underneath her duvet when she was about to get into bed. She threw her iPad down on the duvet and it came scuffling out. And it was one of the big field <laughs> spiders, one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, so she was completely freaked out by that. And I, I was in the room watching that happen. Um, so uh, I completely get that that would still freak a person mm. out. You know, nobody wants to think they went to bed with a massive field spider, but she can deal with it. She can live with it. And it's, you know, it is that thing of if you don't allow yourself to push through that fear, then you are never going to learn how much more mm. you are capable of and you're never going to grow past it. Mm. Um so in some ways, you know, yes, it's always nice to have people who support you and say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Is everything okay? You're doing great. Um, but actually, in some ways, that's not enough to kind of help someone have the motivation to push mm. through that. Mm. You've got to have the willingness. I mean, you know, it's like you were saying, you had two choices. Either you live with this and you figure out a way through it or you don't. 
And when you hit, hit rock bottom, I remember being sat in the middle of my living room of my childhood home of like 25 years, bawling my eyes out when nobody was home thinking to myself, I just want to die. Mm. I, I don't, I don't see what the point is. I mm-hmm. have no friends left, no, you know, um, people that I can go out and see who I can rely on. Um, you know, my family, I think were either they were still living there or they were just about to move away or they had moved away. So I was kind of in this place mostly by myself. Um, and I was just sat there thinking, I can't even bear to leave my front door. Mm. It's not, What's not a good life, is it? What What yeah. is there? What's left? Mm. I have to build, and, and I thought to myself, you know, I have to build my life all over again. I literally have to start again. I have to find new friends. I have to find, you know, a job that, that sustains me that I can actually bear to go to. I can't leave the front door, but I have to find a job. Mm. Otherwise, I'm not ever going to, you know, be able to take care of myself mm. in life. Um and I have two choices here. Either I sit here and I just say, you know what, it's not worth it. Off I go. Or I'm going to find a way through it. Mm. That's that's it. And the only <laughs> way to do that is to look it straight in the face and, yeah, and do it. But it is. The problem, especially with anxiety, that people won't really get unless they've been there, is that fear is one thing. You know, being afraid of something, having a phobia of something and, yeah. and facing it is difficult, but mm. it's doable. Mm. The problem with anxiety is, is something like leaving the house. Yeah. It's not just a case of doing it and then not being afraid. It's doing it knowing you're going to feel really ill yeah. doing it. Yeah. And then you know, half the time you end up not being able to do it anyway because you just your body is reacting yeah. so badly that you just collapse. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. I mean, I remember there was one time... Um, because when I, when I first started my job, I, I used to work in retail when I first got home from university, you know, best thing for an agrophobe. (laughs) Um, I, I remember, um, I, I used to get very physical, um, uh, side effects of the anxiety. And I mean, you mentioned your IBS, you get that. I get, I used to get, um, really intense muscle weakness and fevers, shivers, chills. I used to feel like, like I was in the middle of a fever. Mm. Um, and, and I had the flu and I was too weak to even stand on my own two legs. I'd be sat there sweating and feeling dis- disorientated, um, because the anxiety was so relentless so were the symptoms. So it wasn't just pushing through the feelings of fear. If it was just that, I probably would have been able to do it a lot easier and a lot quicker than I did. It's the physical symptoms as well. And especially um, if you are, I mean, I, I am a, I am a hypochondriac, I, I will admit. I, I get, you know, very concerned when I feel even the slightest change in my own body. I will completely melt down yeah, and think to myself, same. oh my God, have I got some type of cancer? Have so I, I am exactly I dying? I do exactly the same. <laughs> you know, mm. and it's, it's awful. And especially when you're suffering from that kind of anxiety and your mind is already capable of overthinking to that degree, it's just a recipe for constant, it constant is. disaster. It is. And unfortunately, being a hypochondriac is often seen as like a way of getting sympathy and for a lot of people people do it for that reason to get sympathy yeah. but being a genuine hypochondriac or having genuine genuine health anxiety is a yeah. fucking horrible it thing is. Yeah, it's it absolutely is. horrible and it's very that that is why i wanted to take my own life yeah. whilst i was tempted to take my own life at 16 because i was just feeling so ill and always worried about that there was something seriously wrong with me i still get it now yeah with the ibs i always wonder is it a bowel cancer is it a... yeah and well with that kind of pain i mean you yeah. know what else can you it, think it's, it's the pain it's it's the loose bowel movements constantly it, mm. it's just, it's not nice and it's just 
even though I've had it for years now mm. and nothing's ever gone wrong. No. And I've had tests and I've had the camera up there to make sure it's all all right, apart from a couple of hemorrhoids, it was fine. Mm. Um, but even so, even though I still get, even now I still get it and I still worry yeah. there's something seriously wrong here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is a genuine hypochondria or genuine anxiety, health anxiety is, mm. is horrible to yeah. live with. I mean, I get, um, because I, I mean, I'm probably doing it now actually, my posture is bloody awful and I'm, I'm six foot tall I've always been ahead above everybody else especially my other female friends when I was in school I was already up to about 5'11 mm. 5'10 5'11 and all of my friends were down at like you know 5'5 five, 5'6 five, five, so they're all down here and I already used to f- have trouble feeling like I could fit in with people at school anyway but also being that girl that's heads and shoulders above literally everybody including some of the boys I used to get really self-conscious, so I grew up standing like an absolute mm. idiot, shrinking myself. Yeah. So I now have, even now, like I have a lot of nerve pain through my shoulder, behind my shoulder blade that leads up to my neck, that leads into my into my head, into my skull. Constant and headaches. Constant headaches. Mm. Constantly feeling disorientated. Like I, I actually went to an antiques fair with my with my parents yesterday. I love antiques. I'm a massive fan of them. Can't afford them to save my life, but I love them. Um, and I was just walking around, and I must have trapped my nerve while I was sleeping that night, or something, or I must have knocked myself. But I had to actually sit down because I and I said to my mum because my mum knows my anxiety. She knows what it looks like. Um, and so I had to sit down and I said to her, you know, it's not my anxiety, but I am feeling anxious because I'm having symptoms that remind me of where mm. I was when I was anxious. Mm. So I didn't need to panic, but being a hypochondriac, experiencing symptoms that remind you of your anxiety and also still knowing that your anxiety affects you sometimes. <laughs> it was just, I, I nearly felt like my feet were going to fall out from underneath yeah. me and yeah. I had to go and sit down. I had to drink some water um, and just yeah. to kind of calm myself down. But even now I've got that pain running mm. through here and I, it's like a constant inner monologue. You have to remind mm-hmm. yourself, this is not anxiety. Nothing's going to happen to you. Even if you do pass out because you're a bit disorientated because you've got a trapped nerve or something, it's fine. You're okay. Mm. But that anxiety just throws it through the roof. Yeah, and I knew that yesterday, if I'd left it for much longer, I was going to have an anxiety attack. Mm. Mm. No question about mm. it. Haven't had a severe anxiety attack in months but it was going to happen yeah. if I didn't say something mm. um, and if I didn't go sit down for a while. So, and it's it's just, even when you think you've got through it and you've gotten on top of it, something new tends to pop up mm. every once in a while, especially mm. as you get older. Yeah. Because your body changes as yeah. you get older and especially yeah. we're hitting our thirties, you're, mm. you're younger than I am, but you know, we're coming up to, the, to that milestone mm. where everyone's saying, oh, buckle up, you've got even more to look forward <laughs> yeah, to. And great, I'm like, great. It's like my mum started telling me about perimenopausal symptoms and I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear <laughs> about that. that yeah. I, don't, no, I don't want to think uh, about having hot flushes that make you feel like you're going to pass oh, out because you're so hot. <laughs> yeah, she has you some burns up, I have to take everything off. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. I already don't like feeling, you know, those spikes of uncomfortable heat and yeah. now I'm going to feel it just because of my hormones. And mm. Part of my anxiety was due to my hormones. They were thrown massively out of balance and I had to go on birth control for about six or seven months to try and bring them back in because every time I was, you know, due on my monthly cycle, um, my body would crash Mm. and my hormones would completely run riot in my body. 
And that one's even worse for me than the actual, than, than having uh, fear-based anxiety or having, you know, behavioral-based anxiety because there is nothing you can do no. about it. No. Your hormones are going to do what they're going to do. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You can't it's, it's change that. It's that feeling of being trapped again. It is. Knowing it is. that you're going to have to go through it no matter what. Yeah, your mm. body's going to go through something. And now I'm knowing that I'm getting to the age where menopause is a genuine thing I have to consider. I'm like, great, so even more's going to happen to my mm. body that I don't want to have to go through. Fantastic. Mm. I just got used to the current state of being yeah. that I I'm mean, in. Be, <laughs> Can be, we stop, please? <laughs> I mean, you know, being a, a woman with a monthly period is, must be bad enough already. I mean, yeah. God, I've, Thank God I'm not a feet other that would. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> Consider all. yourself lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a lot of men don't really realise how much of a struggle it is to be a woman. I mean, mm. monthly periods, childbirth, menopause. Yeah. Just, yeah. No thanks, no thanks. I mean, I've, I've had partners that, that, you know, wanted children. And for me, children is just not on the table, not in the least because of my anxiety. Mm. Not only because of how much it affects my, my personality, affects it anyway. I'm quite... Um, I am quite an introverted person. I absolutely need my own space. I cannot have people pawing at me. I get I get anxious when I'm not allowed my space, when I'm not given the space to be myself and to be free to be that person. Um, I, I get very anxious in that alone, but also the thought of pregnancy. No, no. <laughs> there, there is no other word. It's just no, 